Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. The 105 or 705, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, what a about something like that you better you want to make this team connecting with you the baseball fanatic there's no crying in baseball no crying hit and run on sports radio 670 the score 670 the score.com and the radio.com app good morning everybody it's matt spiegel here with you on a sunday morning hope all is well with you We've reached that point in the baseball season in which we rage against the dying of the light. I know football has come to dominate people's brains and airwaves and sports sections and websites, but no! Baseball has more to say. A lot more to say. There's games going on all over the place. Some of them with intrigue, some without, but even the ones without intrigue end up having some interesting things that go on. And then there's the ones with intrigue and just how underwhelming it can be on a beautiful day, to go to the ballpark and see your team play poorly. Good morning. Uh, Lots to talk about, and the phone lines are wide open for you at 312-644-6767. You can text us at 6711, and by us, I mean me, at 6711. You can tweet us, and by us, I mean me, at Matt Spiegel 670, or at Hit and Run 670, and maybe Zach Withers will respond to you. Uh, in kind. And then starting in the 10 o'clock hour, you can talk on this radio station to the marketing directors of both the Cubs and the White Sox. The official titles are for both of them, actually, are senior vice president, comma, sales and marketing, Colin Faulkner and Brooks Boyer. And you've probably heard both these guys talk on the radio before. Uh, or you've read statements from these guys, or you've screamed about them, or you've heard them sourced, or what have you. But anyway, they have the same gigs for two teams in a two-team town, and we're going to talk some shop. I don't think talk some smack, because I don't think that's how they roll, but it is Cubs Sox, so who the hell knows? You know, I want to know what kind of trade secrets um, these guys are sharing late at night over texts. Because they're they're friendly, actually. So we will uh, we will talk to them. I'm very much looking forward to that. What it's like to do their jobs in a two team town, and uh, we can talk with you about any of your uh, concerns or interests or intrigue regarding those teams at ten o'clock. Um, before that, Chris Kamka will join us. Cam Connections, as always, at nine forty five. Statistical nuggets on the Cubs and or Sox that you find absolutely nowhere else except maybe his own Twitter account at C Kamka. Um, along the way, I mentioned your phone calls and and, and a lot more. And we got to talk about where Jose Abreu kind of surprisingly ranks, in my opinion, on a list that he hit last night. 
for the White Sox. If you missed Lucas Giolito yesterday morning on Inside the Clubhouse, want to play you an answer to a question I have had. And I suppose I should not be surprised by Giolito's answer yesterday, but it's still intriguing and instructive. But we start with the brutality that's going on right now at Wrigley Field. It's a team nine over 500, the Chicago Cubs, but they're in serious danger of getting swept today. Steven Strasburg against Cole Hamels. And there was ugliness on multiple levels from the Cubs yesterday after a game the day before where they had one hit until the ninth inning. And then yesterday there were several, several bad moments in a loss that, you know, you needed to get. With Jose Quintana, who's been your best pitcher over the last month and a half, he's been undefeated in eight starts. 7-0, winning seven straight decisions over those eight starts. Katana going against Joe Ross, who came into the game with a 5-4-8 ERA. Although Joe Ross uh, is a guy who has been pitching pretty well in August and showed it again yesterday. But there was ugliness all over the place, right? There's, There's the two errors on defense from Anthony Rizzo, and then we find out the back was bothering him, some discomfort in the middle of his back. He has had this before, missed a few games in May, missed a couple of games, a few different seasons, did Anthony Rizzo. So we'll see what the uh, what the prognosis is on him. We'll certainly be checking in at the ballpark as we get closer to the game. 12.35 is Cubs pregame right here on 6.70, the score. So you had the errors on, on defense. You had um, Kyle Ryan being forced to take an at-bat because of the very thin bench and perhaps because Ian Happ had been thrown out of the game. I don't know if he would have stayed in the game after he got thrown out. But Kyle Ryan had to take an at-bat. He draws a walk, but then he ends an inning in a way that you cannot end an inning. Just absolutely cannot do it, where you think that you might potentially be safe on a ball that gets away from the catcher, and with two outs, you make the final out at third. With Nicholas Castellanos up at the plate, Chris Bryant on deck, Jason Hayward on base behind you in a game in which you're trailing. It just can't happen. Can't happen. And then we also saw in that uh, earlier in the game, before Hap got thrown out, a terrible call, an admittedly terrible call by uh, the umpire. I believe it's Vic Carapazza at home plate. A terrible call where Ian Hap drew a walk that should have scored a run and extended the fourth inning. They're pinch hitting for Jose Quintana. So while we fully admit and have to admit that that's a brutal call by Carapazza. Carapazza! Sounds delicious. Not good behind the plate. Strike zone was bizarre. Fine. Hap did draw a walk. But you remember, Ian Hap is, is, is not a guy who gets the respect that he thinks he deserves. And we've seen this before on both sides of town. Remember all those conversations about Yoan Moncada last year? The same could be said often for Ian Happ in the young part of his career. Terrific eye and trusts his eye. And that is, of course, a good thing in general. But part of, uh, part of proving yourself in the bigs is mashing. You must mash. You must show that you can hit. And if you can hit, then you eventually get the respect from the pitchers to to pitch around you or pitch delicately to you. And that will have in turn lead to the respect from the umpires. You don't just get the respect from the umpires because you think you deserve it. And, and I know that that, yeah, that was a ball. It was a ball. But, man, 
Some, sometimes, sometimes you have to extend your zone a little bit and try to make some contact and mash. That's one thing. But even if we're not even going to talk about that at bat and just grant that that's a brutal call, how about the two at bats before the Kemp walk? Second and third, nobody out after a walk from Rizzo and a ground rule double from Baez, right? So we're second and third, nobody out. Kyle Schwarber with a strikeout, Victor Caratini with a strikeout. Too often over these last several years, we've seen that kind of moment and that kind of opportunity go by the wayside because the lineup is just not as diversified as it needs to be. There are not enough contact guys. The, the, so many of, of the prospects have not evolved and matured and developed in the way that at least some of them have needed to. Addison Russell has spent time in the minors because of the offense. Albert Almora is in the minors because of the offense. Kyle Schwarber has spent time in the minors because of the offense, has bounced back in large part, and has struck out less of late, but that was a brutal at bat. Ian Happ has spent time in the minors. These are, these are the issues, and we know these. And with Wilson Contreras hurt, they've gone out and gotten some other things, but, man, those moments like that, just absolutely brutal. Listen to Joe Madden after the game. You know what he has wanted his hitters to do for years and years and years, what he's always wanted hitters to do, what he's tried to be more hands-on in teaching them to do, instructing them to do this year, and helping them to do it. And they've had moments of doing it, but they didn't do it yesterday. Meanwhile, the Nationals did. Here's Madden talking about the Nationals' offense versus the Cubs. They moved the ball when they had to. We did not. They ran a little bit. They created their own uh, runs because they got some really good team speed. But otherwise, I mean, our pitchers did a really good job today, including Q. Yeah, so here's the thing. That Nationals lineup, really, really good. They have multiple guys who would be leadoff hitters on lots of different teams. I, I, by my count, there's four guys who would hit leadoff for the Cubs. Adam Eaton would hit leadoff for the Cubs. Trey Turner would hit leadoff for the Cubs. Victor Robles, it's the, I mean, the OPS is, is under 800 still as a total, but makes some contact, tremendous speed. I think Robles would probably hit leadoff for the Cubs. Howie Kendrick is, I, you know, I love Howie Kendrick. He's a right-handed Ben Zobrist, just quality at bats all over the joint, can play a bunch of different positions for you now, if none of them exceptionally well, at least solid. All four of those guys might hit leadoff here. They've got guys that do things that Madden has been exhorting his guys to do. Speed at the top and the bottom, contact all over the joint. The last 10 games, they've scored 97 runs. 97 runs! Why are they so good? Why is this offense so great? Because they can do it in more ways than one. Yesterday, no home runs, right? They pounded homers the day before. They've pounded homers over the course of the last week, had multiple double-digit run games with home runs all over the joint. Yesterday, none. Scored seven runs. They're three and four guys, Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon. Arguably the best three-four in baseball. Certainly one of them right up there. You could put him in the, in the conversation without a doubt. And Soto, at this age and this level of expense, is absolute gold. The presence of Soto and Robles and Rendon and others allows you to not spend $340 million on Bryce Harper or three thirty, dollars whatever it was. They didn't spend that money, and here they are still with a chance to win the division 
and looking very likely, if not that, if not there, to host a wild card game. And who wants a piece of the Nationals in D.C. with Max Scherzer probably on the mound in a wild card game? And if it's not Scherzer, it's Steven Strasburg who goes today at Wrigley. If it's not Strasburg, it's Patrick Corbin, depending how things work out. But it's probably Scherzer. Ouch. Scary are those Nats. 33 games left for the Cubs. I still think they're the best team in the division. Laugh at me if you want. Call me. Yell at me at 312-644-6767. I mean, you can. I understand. But I still think they're the best team in the division. They've got 33 games left to do something about it. They're a game and a half back of the Cardinals right now who've won three in a row. The Cubs have lost two in a row. The Brewers have won three in a row. The Cubs are just two up on Milwaukee. This is a massive danger zone existing right here. Massive, massive danger. And the ugliness has nothing to do with the uniforms. You know what? I've come around on the uniforms for this player's weekend, or maybe I'm just tired of everybody bitching about the uniforms. I mean, I admit that that I can be prone to that sometimes. I, I will say, I think the matte black looks badass. And especially on the White Sox. I mean, we'll talk to Brooks Boyer about it at 10 or in that hour. I think the matte black on the White Sox looks phenomenal, the matte black helmet and the all black. I thought Daryl Boston coaching first base last night for the White Sox looked terrific. Sign him up. Put him in center field. Let him hit leadoff. So, you know, I'm not going to be the one griping about your players' weekend uniforms. That ain't going to be me today. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run and 670 The Score. Also in the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to check in with our old friend Wayne Randazzo, um, a play-by-play man for the New York Mets who find themselves five games over 500, 67 and 62. And in terms of that National League wild card, two games back of the Cubs for the second wild card. The Cubs go there in a matter of days, and we'll face some very, very good pitchers. Syndergaard and DeGrom and I believe Marcus Stroman are the three pitchers that the Cubs will face in New York. But also the Mets are in Atlanta right now, and Atlanta's playing very, very good baseball. They really are. And Atlanta has benefited, like the Cubs did with uh, Jonathan Lucroy, um, Atlanta has benefited from some sudden availability post-trade deadline of some guys who were designated for assignment. You realize Atlanta has signed a Danny Echevarria as a, uh, as a middle infielder and utility man. They've signed Francisco Cervelli as a catcher and right-handed bat, and they've signed Billy Hamilton. And Billy Hamilton has now been there for five games. They've won all five. And his speed has been a factor, and it was a factor again last night. But anyway, we'll talk to Randazzo later on. Right now we talk to you. Um... And, and you know the topics. We've just set them all up there for you. Why this Nats offense is great. The the overall uh, disappointment and concern for where the Cubs are. And if they have time. Mathematically, they do with 33 games left. And seven with the Brewers. Seven with the Cardinals. So mathematically, they do. But will we see it? Man, I feel like we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then sometimes you see it and it's just, it appears like you've reached a point where this is them. Finally, they're here. And then, oh, they're not. That happened again this week. We'll discuss that because I, 
I am. Um, I live a life where I am in constant danger of making too much out of a single moment in time. This is me. Okay. I am more guilty of it than probably anyone you know in my actual life. I appreciate the highs. I appreciate the the greatness and the excellence of a moment in life. And I get over the moon excited and happy and and feeling good. And then I feel the depth of the lows and I allow the overall perception of everything to crumble in those moments. That's a personal danger. So I should know better than anybody that when you call something a season-defining win, in the middle of a week where you still have some games left to go and more than a month left of baseball, the season ends up defining itself later on. You're not in charge of which games define the season, are you? I, I, sometimes I think that they are. It's part of the magical thinking of baseball uh, appreciation, baseball fandom, and part of the magical thinking of life in general. This is it. This is the moment that's emblematic of the rest of my life. Oh, wait, you actually have to live the rest of your life. This is the win. This 12 to 11 come from behind win. Man, this is the one that defines the season. No, you still got to play the rest of the way. And, 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 and you could be in charge as much as possible, but sometimes the season defines you if you're not careful. 18 minutes after the top of the hour, 670, the score is where you are. It's hit and run. I'm Matt Spiegel with you. Let's interact. Let's chat. And uh, boy, Andrew Luck sent the sports world on a tizzy last night, and it still is. The, the sports world is still reeling. Very seldom do guys quit baseball at 29 because it hurts. Kids, play baseball. Parents, tell your kids to play baseball. The money's guaranteed, and the concussions are infrequent. It's hit and run on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Texters at 67011. Just like last season's moment was supposed to be David Bodie's Grand Slam. Thought they had a stranglehold on the division. We remember how that went. Yes, yeah, so often the season ends up defining you. I remember very distinctly, though, one game in this particular Cubs run where I said, you know what? There it is. We're going to look back on that one. Anybody know what I might be thinking of? There was one game, and yes, it was in 2016. There was one game where I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they go off on a tear here. And we look back and we say, man, that was a big one. And they did go off on a tear. And I still do look back. And if you ask me for one regular season game from 2016, there's one game I go to, and I said to myself, that might define the season or whatever, you know, what these guys said after the 12 to 11 game. I said, that might be the one. And I look back and I still think it's the one. You don't, have, you don't know, Zach? Somebody's going to text in a uh, matter of moments. Cardinals or Giants nope. come to mind? No, nope. the Giants series was big. There was a Giants weekend series that was very big. And I remember a key play against the Cardinals down the stretch, like a ridiculous one with Addison Russell and Javi teaming up on a double play. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to remember the exact thing that I felt really big at the time. No, yeah, I, I, I it's it's ringing bells, but 
But there it is. First text. The Seattle game on a Sunday night. When Brian Mattis was handed a start because he'd been promised one, essentially. He was handed a start. And uh, and he was brutal. Absolutely brutal. He gave up six runs, I think, in the first two innings. And the Cubs had to come all the way back. And they eventually have a walk-off on a John Lester squeeze bunt when Jason Hayward has a beautiful head-first slide. And uh, and scores uh, from third on a squeeze. That's the game. Now, there's an excellent call. Fowler in Colorado is terrific. A Bryant walk-off in Colorado. There you go. Mother's Day walk-off with Baez in the pink bats. Great. And that was the one, I think, that was immortalized on the cover of Sports Illustrated, right? With Pedro Strope running next to Baez down the third baseline. I think that was that game. Oh, my gosh. So funny. Oh, remember those times? Those were good. But anyway, yeah, the Seattle game on the Sunday night. I remember thinking, you know, that could define things. It really, that maybe that will. Uh, and it maybe it did. But that's usually not how life goes. I am being yelled at constantly. <laughs> I mean, not constantly. That doesn't sound good. I'm being yelled at um, occasionally by my, uh, by my lovely wife for making too much of a moment, good and bad. This is it. This defines everything this moment right here what i'm telling you is i am chris bryant and anthony rizzo from the other night after the 12 to 11 game this is it season defining baby we're done right okay let's bring on the playoffs but we have to we have to keep playing guys we have to keep playing my bad i didn't realize it to the phone lines we go riles is in gridley on 670 the score good morning riles what's happening good morning Spigs. thanks for taking my call of course um you know, I'm a Cardinal fan and a big baseball fan. I think it's a race to 90, simple as that. And Speaks, you're right about calling season-defining moments. You just don't say anything if you believe in the jinx. You know, it, it might be you can look back on it and say it, but you don't say anything. Yeah, now, I, I, I don't know. The thing is, Riles, like, I understand what, what, what they're saying, what they're thinking. You, like, you try to yeah. will yourself into a place of confidence, will yourself into a place of belief. It's just, it's just the danger. It's the danger of the way a buck 62 usually plays out. Sure. Now, uh, I would say I'm inclined to agree with you that the Cubs have the best team in the division just because of their batting averages are better. But the best team doesn't always win. And um, as far as that at-bat by half, it was an excellent at-bat. But the call was not that terrible. The ball was very well caught by the catcher. Yep. It had, it had late movement, which made it look further outside or inside than it was outside to a left-handed batter. Mm-hmm. And, and I am in uh, uh, full support of the automated strike zone. That way, if the automated strike zone calls that a strike because it was a strike when it went over the front knee of Hap, then he's got no nothing to complain about. Tell you, we'll check in during September. We're actually going to have a lot of a lot of hit and runs on Sunday mornings in September because the Bears' schedule works in our favor. They don't play a home noon game until the twenty seventh of October. They don't really play any Sunday noon games in September. They have a couple Sunday games that are at 3 o'clock. So Bears pregame, I believe, is going to begin around noon. And uh, we will still have a hit and run from uh, 9 to 12. I promise we will do a hardcore check-in on how the automated strike zone is going in the Atlantic League because it's not going as well as you'd hope. They are nowhere close to having something workable and something they can just insert into your MLB life. It's It's just not there. 
So we'll check in on that. As for that called strike three, it was definitively outside the zone when you look at the pitch tracks. But damn, it's close, and it did have movement, and it was framed terrifically. And Ian Happ, I'm sorry, but you do not have the respect that you think you deserve. There are two strikes. It's a two-strike approach, and that requires occasionally to foul a ball off and do something with it or hit a ball in that spot. You're not quite some of these other guys who have earned the respect. You're just not. But again, I go back to the two outs before that when Schwarber and Caratini both struck out with second and third and nobody out and then one out. 670, the score is where you are. 670-11 is how you text. Um, Several uh, people reminding me that the picture on SI was Strope running next to Bryant after the walk-off against Cleveland. Thank you very much. There you go. I just I just remember Pedro running next to to Bryant, or but I thought it was Baez because there were a lot of good moments. There were a lot of good moments for that. Uh, this texture for that moment in sixteen, the game-ending nasty double play between Russell and Baez against the Cardinals really felt the energy after that. Felt like the team broke through a ceiling with their play. See, it's easy to point out back in retrospect when they win and when they were that good. That was such a special bunch. This bunch is more complicated. Jay is in Homewood on 670 to score. What's up, Jay? Good morning. How are you? Hey, man. The Cubs are a good team, but all good things have to come to an end. They're, they're nucleus. You know, we know they're nucleus. They're major four or five players. They're going to have to divorce themselves for one or two. Um, if, you, if we really, Cub fans, if we really um, are honest, what Cub starter um, or starters are number one and a two on any playoff team? You starting pitchers? Yeah, who's a one and a who's a one and a two on a Dodgers team, on an Atlanta team, on a Nationals team, on a Yankees team? They're not. I mean, they're quality guys. Um, uh, we know uh, the Hall of Famer um, Lester, and they're quality starters. But I am saying a one and a two. That's why you get the inconsistency because they can't dominate. Again, they're quality starters, so I'm not throwing them under the bus. And we know Lester is a Hall of Famer, but the reality is their pitching is plus four. And so they got some quality hitters, uh, but there are some holes in the lineup. So they won't make the playoffs this year. Um, they're going to have to make some changes. And the Cup fans are going to have to be okay with uh, 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 some of their nucleus being let go, maybe one or two, and getting a big-time starter. And I think we'll, re- we'll be right back in the thick of things. Thanks, Jay, for the call. There's a lot of stuff that you're saying definitively in there, which is, of course, your opinion. There's some things that you're saying in there, which is analysis, and some of it is spot on. Some of the opinion, of course, we could argue with and should. The Yankees would kill for several of the starting pitchers from the Cubs. Yankees are 21st in Major League Baseball in terms of quality starts. They have not gotten the consistency and not gotten the dominance that they needed. Maybe James Paxton is starting to pick it up. He was real good against the Dodgers. Um, but Tanaka has, has, has been bad. Sabathia has been hurt. Um, they have other guys who've, who've not gotten it done. So there, there are some people. There are some, some guys on this, this Cubs team. Hendricks would be... Hendricks would probably be a, a, a two for just about everybody, and he might be a one for Atlanta. But Atlanta does so many things well. And Atlanta overall, as a team, is so is so solid, especially now with the bullpen additions that they have made. But in terms of, of their starting pitchers, 
I mean, Soroka has been real good this year. Um, but how proven do you feel about him? There's Soroka, Julio Teran, Max Fried. Uh, Hendricks would slot in there nicely. So, so again, not everything that you said is, is something that you can just take to the bank. But there are some issues there. In terms of the possibility of having to part with somebody from the core, it's, it, it looks more and more likely that that would be the wisest move as we go here because they didn't move fast enough in perhaps moving some of the guys where the value was higher, where your value for Russell was higher, your value for Schwarber was higher. Your value for Almora was higher. These days, the value of what you're going to get for those guys is, is decreased a lot. You'll still get something pretty solid for Schwarber, but they, they also still believe that there's more there. There's more there on the tree in terms of uh, the, the low-hanging fruit for what could be in terms of the overall offensive package that is Kyle Schwarber. And he shows you flashes of it. Shows you flashes. Such a, such a smart hitter sometimes. Such a capable hitter in terms of going the other way sometimes. And then other times it's just he's, he's just a slugger, just a pure slugger, and that's valuable but not as valuable as it was five, six, seven years ago in MLB. This is Kevin in Crown Point, Indiana on 670 The Score. What's up, Kevin? Welcome in. How are you? Thanks, man. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, uh, first off, I want to say you're, you're betting 1,000 so far. You know, it's early in the game, but – Keep it up. Like right now, you got a perfect game. But anyways, a uh, couple things. Number one, half, you're not Tony Gwynn. You're not going to get that call. Um, bottom line, I mean, in real time, the majority of people, when I was watching it, I, I thought it was a strike. Obviously, when you when you got the little box there and you can see that it was outside, everybody loses their mind. But, you know, you take that box away, I think the majority of baseball fans call that a strike just with their eyeballs. But that's another another conversation. Mm-hmm. I, want your, I want your take on – how the Cubs are going to do this, that this being the playoffs, and how do they have any success in the in the postseason? Because right now, you know, it, it's it's a battle of inconsistency between them, the Brewers, and the Cardinals. I mean, that's the way I see it. Whoever can play, you know, a little bit of consistent baseball is going to get in. And then from there, I, I see any one of those teams is dead on arrival, in my opinion. So uh, I want your take on how do they get there and – if they do get there, how do they have any success? How do they win a, a series in, in October? Well, baseball is it just, you know, you're not dead on arrival uh, because it's baseball, because the sample ends up small. Because one way to prove that you are the best team over a buck 62 is not the same way to, to end up being the best team over a five-week stint in the playoffs. It's just we've seen it happen way, way too many times. You need at least a couple of starting pitchers to be red-hot lights out, the way that Jose Quintana has been until yesterday, Um, the way that we've seen Hendricks have stints of doing, the way that Darvish was until his last start. Can you imagine, so uh, to your scenario, let's say the Cubs do win the division, and they get there, and they've got a five-game series with the Atlanta Braves, okay? Can you envision at least two starters being completely and utterly dominant for seven innings each time they go out there? I can. Maybe it's Darvish and Hendricks. Maybe it's Hendricks and Quintana. Um, I can picture a couple of those guys doing it. Can you figure them having settled in on the three or four even or ahead guys to use out of the bullpen and leaning on them strategically brilliantly? That's a little harder to imagine because um, how difficult it is 
to manage a bullpen beautifully and how challenging it's been for Joe Madden at times in his career and certainly here. Who are those guys? It's not Pedro Strope. Is it Steve Ciszek? I don't think it should be. I think it should be Kimbrell and Rowan Wick and Kyle Ryan and Brandon Kinsler. Maybe Derek Holland for one batter. Good night, everybody. There's my five. And really, there's my four that I want to lean on if the playoffs were to begin today. Will that be the case? Will that be where, where Joe is? Can he afford to go away from – will he go away from C-Shack? Will he – you know, is he going to believe that C-Shack is the right guy? Again, maybe. I, I have concerns about Steve just because the mileage. Just because the mileage. And Strope is broken. So, uh, you know, will that happen? And then will the hitters come up with the big at-bats in big moments? harder to picture that, right? Because they don't have what, say, the Nationals do, which is a well-diversified, interesting lineup full of different kinds of hitters. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I count four guys on the Nationals who could hit leadoff for the Cubs. Four. And that's including Howie Kendrick, who I've always had a fetish for as a contact guy. And if he's in the lineup, he would hit leadoff. I mean, there's just... The Cubs don't have it. They're still trying to replace Dexter Fowler. It's unfortunate, but it's true. And around the league, there's just not a lot of leadoff guys. The Nationals just happen to have at least three or maybe four. Let's squeeze in one more phone call before we take a break and do camp connections with our man, Chris Kamka. This is Dan in Wisconsin on the score. What's up, Dan? Good morning. Hello. Enjoy your show. Thank um, you. Yeah, the Cubs do indeed have the most talent in their division, as they should every season. They're the one major market team with superior financial advantages in the National League Central. But, you know, I, I mean, they were able to go out and buy Kimbrell, yep. overpay for Hayward, uh, take on Cole Hamill's big contract mm-hmm. last year. But uh, in the end, they're the Cubs, you know, three championships in all these years. You got Madden always trying to prove what a genius he is. <laughs> Dan, hold on, Dan. I mean, you're talking about them with the economic advantage and what they've done, but then in the end, they're the Cubs. You're grouping this this run since 2012. These last seven years, you're putting that in the same category as the rest of eternity for this franchise. It's not, though. Well, they'd have been they'd have kept up that eternity if it wasn't for that stretch of losing and tanking seasons that preceded this current. Uh, Five years. Well, yeah, but that was intentional. That that was. I mean, if you're talking about when Theo got here, that was intentional. Yeah, I know, and it shouldn't. That shouldn't be allowed. Anyway, (laughs) and and now I say they tell you in little league if you got two strikes, you got to swing at something close. Battle it off, battle. I know, and I'm. There are lots of people out there saying, "Come on, Matt, that was a ball." Yeah, it was a ball, but you know, you're not. You're not Chris Bryant. You're not. uh, You're not Wade Boggs. If I got my hip boots on, Wade Boggs, always a question. All right, look, we'll come back. 312-644-6767. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion, Chicago Wolves, will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. Camp Connections coming up next. Then the marketing guys at the top of the hour in studio. Looking forward to that. Wayne Randazzo on the Mets and the Braves and the National League. In the 11 o'clock hour, your phone calls and texts and tweets all morning long on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I have enjoyed all year getting myself cam connected 
The writing's on the wall. There's only 33 games left for the Cubs. Where are we for the White Sox? I keep talking about the Cubs and how many games left because of uh, the the potential implications. Of course, we are, oh my God, we're 33 left for the White Sox as well, Chris Kampka, right? At 70 and 59, my quick math is telling me that 33 games remain for them as well. Good morning, sir. Yeah, good morning. And and they've been, you know, a lot better. I mean, you started after the All-Star break 4 and 16. Well, they've been 13 and 10 since. So, you know, the last 33 games starting with today, you know, which we watch on the NBC Sports Chicago 12:30 and Aldo Lopez. Yeah, Renato Lopez um, who's been a, a nice story in the second half and is a guy you're learning to uh to believe in a little bit going into next year. And, and they're playing a better brand of baseball uh, as well. Um, and and that's, that's obvious to see. I have Jose Abreu thoughts I might throw at you. But, but where are you going to start with me, sir, this morning? Well, let's start with those Cubs, huh? Okay. All right. So um, the number that I threw out there this week that probably got the most play is this one. We have Chris Bryant. There's always a big discussion about Chris Bryant. You know, okay. is he, how clutch is he? Well, I'll read this off right here. Innings one to six this year, 13 homers, 479 slugging percentage. Innings seven to nine, 13 homers, 681 slugging percentage. Hmm. So I put that out there and I ask, is Chris Bryant clutch? And the answer to that question is, don't worry about it. Here's the deal. He is an elite hitter in the major leagues. One of the finest that you will see. And, you know, those numbers I ran off, what they mean are he is bunching his hits in the later innings and bunching his bigger hits in the later innings this season. That's all it means. Hmm. Over the course of his career, it's going to fluctuate all over. The distribution of his big hits, um, sometimes they come in the first innings, sometimes they come in the middle, sometimes in the late. This year, late innings. Over the course of his career, it's probably a little more tilted to the first six. Um, he's going to get his. And I think that the whole Chris Bryant is clutch conversation, is it's, it's silly. I think everyone needs to sit back and appreciate the player that you have because sooner or later he's going to get his. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's interesting because I have a text unsolicited from earlier in the show. I still love Bryant as a player, but he has to do better. Comparable star third baseman. Rendon has 101 RBIs. Arenado has 99. Bryant has 63. Proof is in the pudding. You are misreading the pudding, sir. Um, I, well, lo- I, I love, okay. I, well, yeah, I love RBIs, but Arenado hits third behind, um, behind Charlie Blackman. And usually, really... tre- and usually Trevor's story. So he hits third behind those guys. Rendon often hits fourth behind Trey Turner, Eaton, and Juan Soto. Or he hits third and with like with tremendous leadoff comps in front of well, those I'm guys. Really, I'm really glad you brought that up because that is the perfect counter argument to that. Chris Bryant. You know, yeah, he hits third in Cubs order. He's hit second a lot this year, too. Mostly here's second. The deal. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. Cubs' number one spot in the order has a major league low on base percentage. I think it's 286. Mm. And there you go. There's your pudding. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah that, I mean, th- that, that is absolutely your pudding. And it, interestingly enough, last year with no real leadoff hitter, overall with Zobrist and whatever mix they used, the on-base percentage out of the one spot for the Cubs was top five. Um, and it is absolutely not this year. It's completely bit them in the butt this year. And furthermore, 
last year, Chris Bryant had a shoulder injury, plagued him most of the season. Mm-hmm. And he still put up a 125 weighted runs created plus, which means, quite simply, he was still 25% better than the average, even with an injury to something critical as a shoulder. And he's kind of back to where he usually is now. I mean, that on base percentage hovering around 403 to 2 right now. Plugging comfortably over 500. That's that's a star player. That is a franchise you know, yeah. foundation. Enjoy watching him hit. Yeah, 82 games in the two-hole this year. Now 40 in the three-hole. Most of those coming since Nicholas Castellanos has been here. All right, sir, swap sides of town. Those White Sox uh, on your NBC Sports Chicago this afternoon. What you got? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, 13 and 10. 13 and 10 last 23, and that's mostly because of a 324 starter ERA over that span, which is fifth in the majors. Hmm. Amazing. Lucas Giolito has had three straight starts at 20 swing strikes. Three straight starts with 10 or more strikeouts. One of five Sox pitchers to do that from 1908 to present. Probably all time. I just don't have the data for the first seven seasons. But I'm not here to talk about Lucas Giolito. Okay. Okay. Yvonne Nova. Let's talk about Yvonne Nova. <laughs> He's done something to me that's absolutely amazing. His last seven starts, he had a 0-9-4 ERA which is the same 094 ERA that Lucas Giolito had in his eight-start dominant stretch earlier this year. But it's different. Among 94 pitchers with 30 or more innings from July 20th to now, his ERA of 094 is second. His strikeouts per nine innings of 4.69 is last. So so you have a pitcher who is... Posted a sub one ERA over his last seven starts, and of all the pitchers with thirty or more innings over that span, nobody has had fewer strikeouts per nine than Ivan Nova. That's magic. Wow. Yeah, that's that. That's not supposed to happen that way, is it? No, it's not. And and how's he doing it? Well, he's going against the grain. While everybody else is getting away from the sinker, he's still throwing in the forty-two percent over that span, and the hard hit percentage. If 26.2% is the third lowest. Mm-hmm. So he's really he's inducing that weak contact, and he's pitching. And it's, it's really nice to see that a guy can do it without having to get all the strikeouts. Yeah. That being said, it, you know, going forward, it's hard to imagine you can continue that kind of a stretch, but he definitely deserves credit for the run prevention because that's first and foremost the pitcher's job, and he's doing it. Thank you, Chris. He is at C. Kampka on Twitter, and it's been a pleasure all year. you got to come in here in studio one of these Sundays before uh, we get out of here uh, for the season. Um, Chris, would you do that for me? Is it conceivable? Uh, we'll see if we can work that out. I'm definitely up to it. <laughs> all right, man. Appreciate you, Chris. Thank you so much. All right. That's Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. Lots of textures going, all right, Spiegel, what are Bryant's numbers with runners on base or with numbers with runners in scoring position? Bryant has a 982 OPS with runners on base this year. 982. It's a 391 OBP and a 591 slugging with runners on base this year. He also has only 181 at bats with runners on pace, which is 37th in the bigs. You know why? Because guys don't get on base that much for him. Please, please. I don't know how many times, how many times you need to, um, to, to figure out, and I, I love RBIs, and RBIs do matter, and they should not be as fully minimized as, 
as uh, as they have been sometimes, but it is a teammate-dependent stat. It is a situationally-dependent stat. Chris Bryant is 67th in the National League, or sorry, it's 67th in the majors, in at-bats with runners in scoring position. 67th. He's had so many fewer chances than Rizzo or Bryant or the aforementioned Nolan Arenado or, 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 or Anthony Rendon. And in those 67, uh, in, in, in those 83 at-bats, 67th in MLB, he's got an 885 OPS with runners in scoring position. 885. He's not the problem. The problem is all those other spots in the lineup. That's the pudding, okay? I'm not pudding boy, you texters calling me pudding boy. But my goodness. Look elsewhere. I've told you where to look. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. The senior director or senior vice president of sales and marketing for the Chicago Cubs is Colin Faulkner. The senior vice president of sales and marketing for Chicago White Sox is Brooks Boyer. They're both here. Looking forward to talking to them next. If you want to text in your questions for the marketing guys, for the Cubs and Sox, do it at 67011. And do we dare take phone calls, Zach? I don't know. That feels risky. But 312-644-6767 is the number. It's hit and run. Wayne Randazzo on the Mets and the Braves later on, taking you up towards Cubs pregame at 1235 on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.